Hi, this is Andy McCluskey from Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, and you're listening to PX Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder, and welcome to another special edition of the tape recorder. This time we are ranking the Beach Boy albums, 1 through uh, 29, with an asterisk. I'll explain in a second here. But it took me a long time to compile this list. Uh, I think I'm pretty set on 1 through 6, 7, 8, 9, something like that. So uh, I did this in thirds, 1 through 9, and then we're going to do, what, 10 through 18, and then 19 through 27. And again, the, the in chunks of three, I'm satisfied with the rankings. Within those, I'm not as sure. The bottom three, I'm pretty sure on four, maybe. But in any case, uh, the reason we're doing 29 albums, the Beach Boys have 29 studio albums, and I don't know how this is actually calculated, but everywhere I've read, it's it's 29 studio albums. Although some people include the Smile Sessions, which it was supposed to be the album after Pet Sounds, which wound up being Smiley Smile, but they're considered in the fandom to be two separate albums instead of, you know, a, well, I guess a, not, not a retrospective, but a, a bonus. I don't know what, what you would call it, but it's I, don't, it's, I don't consider it a proper album, so I'll stick with the 29 number. And then I'm taking two albums out, and here's why. One of them is the Christmas album. It's a fine Christmas album, but I think it's weird to rank an album that I'm only going to listen to for, what, at the most 30, 31 days uh, in December and late November, depending when Thanksgiving falls. And then another album is called Stars and Stripes, and it came out in 1993, 4, I don't remember exactly when, and it's country artists recording Beach Boys songs with the Beach Boys. But I don't really consider that to be a Beach Boys album because it's already Beach Boys songs that have been released just with different lead singers and the Beach Boys doing backing vocals. Bear in mind, if these songs had appeared on each of these artists, like I think Willie Nelson is one of them. I know he does a great version of Warmth of the Sun. They appear on these artists' albums. That's fantastic. But as a whole album, I'm just, I don't think it really counts as a Beach Boys album because we already know the songs and the performance is really more reliant on the, the, the lead vocal and the arrangement you know, of the country artist, so I don't consider that to be an album, even though technically I guess it is. So we're going to go 27, divided in chunks of three. Here we go with the bottom of the stack. is an album called Summer in Paradise. comes out in 1992. Excuse my clicking while I get a little data for you here. And it's uh, released, let me see, yeah, August 3rd, 1992. It is the only album not to feature any involvement from Brian Wilson at all. He's nowhere near this, and boy, it shows. Here's the thing, and we've discussed this before, you know, Team Brian versus Team Mike and things like that. Brian has to be somewhere near a Beach Boys album being made. He can be, as we'll ex- explain down the road as we talk about other albums, he could be downstairs, or I mean upstairs, in his bedroom with the studio below. He can be down the street. He could contribute a song. As long as he has this a particle of involvement in it, it makes it a much better album. And he has no involvement in this apart from the fact that some of the songs that are on here are reworks of songs he wrote with uh, Mike and uh, some other people. Let me see. Uh, yeah. No, uh, yeah. Right? Right, yeah. Well, one, actually, just one song, which is the first one they ever wrote and recorded, which was Surfing. So anyway, and which, again, isn't uh, one of the weird things about this album is it's a lot of, like, redo. Not a lot of redos. There's two redos, and I don't really know why we need a redo of Surfing, especially when, you know, Brian isn't involved. 
uh, Forever is uh, the other one that's redone. Forever is a beautiful song written by Dennis Wilson and Greg Jacobson, which appears on the Sunflower album, which we will discuss further down the road. Uh, that ranks up pretty high in the charts. Uh, spoiler alert, as they say. But anyway, it's uh, and the Forever version on Summer in Paradise is recorded by one John Stamos, and I'm not mad at John Stamos. People think, oh, it's funny, Uncle Jesse used to be a, hey, he helped, uh, you know, perk up their career a little bit. He chipped in. He, he was one of the contributing factors, I say, in keeping them relevant in the late 80s. You know, he, he got them on, was one of the biggest sitcoms of the era, you know, uh, which was Full House. And he's a big beach, and he's played, I think I've seen him actually perform with them. I think he was in Pittsburgh. And I think, if I'm remembering this correctly, he was also in a soap opera at the time, uh, before Full House. I may be remembering this incorrectly, which is how a girlfriend of mine who I took to the concert knew him. I think Full House had just come out, so people didn't really know him from that. And but and she was thrilled to see John Stamos there drumming away along with Bobby Figueroa. So anyway, my point is, not mad at John Stamos, don't know why we needed to... And, and he recorded this on the Full House. He, his character sang it to his the character that he was married to, uh, Becky. Fine, but I don't think he needed it on this album. So there's only one song on the album that people can tolerate, and it wasn't even a single. And it's called Summer in Paradise. This whole album is completely out of print. Some guy posted it on YouTube, the whole thing, and I listened to it one day, and it's fine. It's not... None of these albums are bad. I mean, the ones at the bottom of the stack, they're just not as good as the albums that, you know, are at the top of the list. That's all. But this one is pretty darn mediocre. It is rumored it only sold a thousand copies. They got rid of most of the ones they had sitting around. Uh, the Home Shopping Network took care of that when the Beach Boys box set was released in 1994. The Good Vibrations box set. And they just packaged it with that and said, hey, if you buy the box set, we'll give you this crappy album to go with it. So anyway... There are two singles from this album, but they're not available unless you listen to the person's YouTube rip of it. So I'm going to play you the one song that is available. It is the live version of a song called Summer in Paradise. And they still play this in concert. It's a song about the environment. It's written by Mike Love, Terry Melcher, and a guy named Craig Fall, I'm not familiar with. But it's it's an okay song, and here it is. Summer in Paradise from the album of the same name, Summer in Paradise. A terrible, terrible album from the Beach Boys. Well, again, not terrible in that it's a bad album per se on its own merits, but when you're judging against the other 
Beach Boys albums, then yes, it is terrible. If you're grading on the curve of their albums, yeah, it's terrible. If you're grading on the curve of like albums as a whole uh, by, you know, I would say at this point they're an adult contemporary group, then it's, it's fine. So the next album we get to, boy, this one, I just struggle with this album, and the people in the fandom try to talk me into it, and on paper, I should love this album. It's called Love You. It's from 1977. It was supposed to be a Brian Wilson solo album, technically titled Adult Child. Most of the songs are written by Brian, although some of the guys chip in on some of them. But it's mostly Brian, and it's got a lot of uh, Moog keyboards and uh, uh, kind of the keyboards of the day, synthesizers of the day for 1977. You would think, well, this is straight in your basket, PF. Weirdly, this is about the same year that uh, Paul and Andy are mucking about in Liverpool forming our custom maneuvers in the dark. You think, well, this did, you should totally love this album. I don't. And I listen to it sometimes, and I'm like, I don't get it. And people in the fan are like, oh, you, it's it, Brian's uh, inner thoughts, and, uh, and, it, and I try to explain them, and I'm like, no. And I'll give you an example of the, the weirdness of this album. Is uh, Of course, this, people know Brian famously you know, stayed in his bedroom for years and years, and as such, watched a lot of television. And, uh, well, this was one of his heroes. He sits behind his microphone Yes, the song Johnny Carson, and yes, I'm not. I love Johnny Carson. I watch the reruns. Uh, you can watch them on Pluto TV and the local over-the-air stations run the repeats of them. I think it's Antenna TV or somebody like that runs repeats of it, and you should watch them. They are fantastic. I love Johnny. Great memories watching it with my dad as a kid. But this is a terrible song. Johnny Carson is a real live wire when Gester Boring he picks up the slack. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, sonically, it's an interesting album, but I do not get it. Uh, there's very few songs I like. Mona is the only other song I actually like on it, which I wasn't even a single, weirdly. All right, so we get to number 25 on the list, Smiley Smile. Well, this was the, I guess, reworking of what was supposed to be the Smile album, which was to follow Pet Sounds. And this is another album that I don't really like very much. Uh, it's got good vibrations. It's got heroes and villains. And that's about it. And I couldn't even find a song I liked enough to play. So I'm just going to play. And I played this on the my favorite Beach Boys original songs episode uh, a couple weeks ago. And I'm going to give it to you again. It's Heroes and Villains. I've been in this town so long and back in the city. I've been taken for lost and gone. And I'm known for a long, long time. Right in the rain 
Heroes and Villains, there's lots and lots of versions of this out there. There's little bits and pieces floating around in various compilations, and it's interesting uh, of all the different versions that there are to hear how the song was put together, but uh, that's the one of the two singles from Smiley Smile from the Beach Boys, 1967, I believe. That takes us to Still Cruisin'. Still Cruisin' is a bit of a strange one. It is an album that I consider more of an EP because there's only, I think, like, let me see, eight original songs on it, seven original songs on it. The other three are just old Beach Boy songs. And the lore behind this is that Kokomo had become a big hit. This is the album that has Kokomo on it, even though it originally comes from the uh, cocktail soundtrack in the movie with uh, Tom Cruise. But the idea was to put an album together of songs that had recently been in movies. And I don't know, there's a lot of... I ran into a guy at the Cincinnati airport one time when I was working there. I don't know how we got to discussing this. Apparently, a buddy of his was friendly with the Beach Boys camp, and he got to be on the tour bus with him for a couple of stops. And the rumor was that they only had seven songs because Mike Love didn't want to learn any new ones, but I don't think that's true. Uh, it just doesn't add up. The other thing about this is Mike is furious that uh, Island Girl makes it on here, an Al Jardine song, which is a song I'm going to play for you because I love the song, and I always play the song when this album comes up. It's a great compliment to Kokomo, but, you know, he's, oh, it was a lot of political wranglings. I've heard interviews that, that it was supposed to be movie songs, and it wasn't. That wasn't in a movie. And I'm like, well, neither was Somewhere Near Japan, the song that he co-wrote with uh, John Phillips, who also... There's the original version of Kokomo. John Phillips wrote Kokomo, recorded it. It's okay. Uh, Brian comes or Mike comes along and adds that the Aruba, Jamaica, those little vocal hooks, and it becomes a fantastic song. But you know, but somewhere near Japan, which people think is the second best song on the album, and they're wrong. Island Girl is. Uh, Island Girl might be better than Kokomo. I don't know. I, I might I might say that, but it's it's very difficult. Kokomo is a difficult subject for uh, our family. Go back and listen to the Beach Boys originals thing that I recorded, and you'll see why. But anyway, um, getting back to this album, yeah, it, there's three songs bolted onto the end. Uh, I didn't bring up the album because I can't remember even what they are. I think I got around might be one of them. Uh, Wouldn't it be nice? I think is on there, which is fine. But it, then they appeared in movies at the time. But I don't think you needed to be reminded of that. That's just weird. So anyway, I consider it an EP. Uh, uh, Brian does have a song on here. He does not involved with Kokomo. He's not involved with Island Girl. Uh, but again, since he has a song on here, even though it's not a very good one, the original songs on here are, aren't too bad. So there you go. So I'm going to play Island Girl like I always do because I think Al Jardine got robbed. This should have been the follow-up single to Kokomo. Uh, not what I think still the song's still cruising from the Lethal Weapon 2 soundtrack which is kind of a snooze, uh, got the nod to be the other single. But this should have been the single, Island Girl, from Al Jardine.
Jardine's Island Girl from the Still from the Still Cruisin' album. And now we come up to another bit of a strange one, Party, from 1964, I believe it is. And we discussed this when we did the Beach Boys covers songs. Uh, Barbara Ann is the big single from this album. And the premise was supposed to be, I'll read this with you, I discussed this before, but if you didn't hear that episode, they go to Western Studios, they have a big party in the studio. And as it turns out, uh, it's later revealed when this big... Uh, a bonus version is released in the 2000 teens uh, with extra tracks of stuff they recorded. Turns out that all of the party noises pretty much are overdubbed in. Brian added those later. It was it was kind of a party. It was a loose atmosphere in that respect, but it wasn't really like a party party. The one thing that is true of this album, that as far as I can tell, is with Barbara Ann, is that uh, Jan Berry was down the hall with Dean Torrance, although he doesn't turn up for this. Uh, Jan and Dean... They're down the hall. They, uh, they're on a different record label. They're recording. Jan wanders in, asks what the Beach Boys are up to, and now oh, we're recording this album of covers. We're just goofing around, and we need to get something out. So we're, And he, Jan Barry says, hey, how about the cover of The Regents, Barbara Ann? And so they record that, and that is, and I do believe that is, I don't believe that stuff is overdubbed. Some of it might be, but the part where they can't remember the words and Jan has to tell them what the words are, I think that's accurate. I don't think they made that part up. I don't think the Beach Boys knew the song as well as Jan Barry did, so Jan has to kind of like during the middle of the song, and tell them what the next lyric you can hear that in the song we're not gonna listen to that you can go back to listen to the beach boys cover episode for that i'm gonna play a song called i should have known better yes a Beatles song and it's weird because i was into the beatles slightly before i was into the beach boys via paul mccartney because it was 1974 i was seven so i didn't know he was in the beatles and i quickly made the connection though and then I saw Hard Day's Night on TV, and I went out and bought the Hard Day's Night single. And on the back of the Hard Day's Night single is, I should have known better. And I'm like, I love this song. And then right about that same time, I saw the commercial for Endless Summer and begged my parents to buy that because all those songs sounded great. And that's how I got into the Beach Boys. But anyway, so this is kind of a little uh, like a serendipitous track for you in my history with the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Here is the Beach Boys from the Party album covering I Should Have Known Better. I should have known better the Beach Boys Party album. Again, I don't really consider it to be an album. They redo some of their songs. They do some covers, and it, it's fine. It's a party, but it's not really like something I, you can take a deep dive into like you can with some of the later albums, certainly. MIU is next up on the list. It's from 1978, I believe. It's the Beach Boys. It's a mess. Brian has a little involvement. They go to a, a abandoned university in Iowa, which has been taken over by the Maharishi, who the Mike Love was a follower of. And at Maharishi International University, I think is what MIU stands for. They get Brian out there. He's not too involved. It's mostly Bruce and Al and Mike and Carl kind of taking the reins. And it's an okay album. I the one track from it that uh, is okay. The it's a pretty even album. It's not, again, it's not terrible like Summer in Paradise. It's not terrible. It's just, you know, nothing jumps out at you. 
The power cut, She's Got Rhythm, is a pretty good tune. Not even sure it was a single. But uh, here is She's Got Rhythm from the MIU album. from the MIU album, what people would say, apart from Summer in Paradise, is kind of the low point of the Beach Boys' creativity. And again, it's not bad on its own merits, but comparatively to what they're capable of, it's disappointing. Uh, as to kind of is the album that follows it, the light album at number 21 here. They do manage, Mike manages to twist Dennis's arm and get some of his, because he'd been, he released a critically acclaimed solo album in 1976, and he was getting ready to release a second one, and he had tons and tons of songs for it. So Mike asked him, hey, could you chip in a couple of songs for this album, because we could use them. And he does, and so you get some nice songs on there. You get a weird cover of Shorten and Bread, the old folk, uh, I guess, what era would that be from? That's almost like a Civil War era tune. That's on there, and people hate that song. I like it, that cover of it. It's fine. There's a huge, long version of Here Comes the Night, a song I believe that is on the Friends album originally in the 60s, standard three-minute you know, Beach Boy song back then. They turned it into this big disco song, which is fine, but it's 10 minutes long. It doesn't sound too weird for the Beach Boys, and understand that at the same time, the Rolling Stones had also dabbled in the disco sound with Miss You. Uh, who else had, uh, was that? A queen that also dabbled in the disco sound, kind of take it. So it, it's not too weird for groups of the era who were not originally disco groups. And even the Bee Gees weren't, didn't start as a disco group. They started as a group in the 60s, just like uh, the Beatles and the Beach Boys and the Kinks and everybody else. And then they really embraced it in the 70s and kind of became the leader. So it's not, it doesn't sound as odd as you would think an older band jumping into a new style, like if, I don't know, the Killer Side decided they were into a K-pop album. Now, now that would sound weird. So anyway, uh, I'm going to play Good Timing from the Light album. It was a single. It got to number 40. It was their biggest hit in a while, and it's a nice tune. They still play this in concert sometimes, and well, here it is. Just living 
Good Timing from the Light Album, The Beach Boys. Takes us to number 20, That's Why God Made the Radio. It is the final album by The Beach Boys. There are rumblings, uh, and you hear these all the time, that Brian and Mike may finally bury the hatchet, although really, I don't think it's a matter of them burying the hatchet. I think it's a matter of their two, uh, the entities that they run, Brian Wilson, the Brian Wilson band, his wife runs that, Mike and his version of The Beach Boys. I guess it's just a matter of putting people's schedules together because I always say separately in interviews. I still I've read this recently. Uh, I'd sure like to write with Brian again. I should write with with Mike again because really, when you look down to the whole catalog of the Beach Boys, that's really even though the other guys have chipped in songs that are fantastic. Really, most of your songs are are Brian and Mike compositions. Uh, to that end, this album they did not really write together together Mike's credited with a couple of songs but I think he came along afterwards and added and people say well there's uh, what what are they not the vocal tracking the um uh, autotune a little bit of autotune and even they confessed or like you know we're in our 70s we didn't want to autotune but sorry about that uh they confessed that you know we we uh that's my computer reminding me that to do something stupid it's, it's yet yeah, to Dell trying to get me to do all their stupid stuff anyway so they even confessed that, look, we're in our 70s, we didn't want to auto-tune, but, you know, sometimes you gotta. So producer Joe Thomas helps out with a lot of the record, with a lot of the writing. In fact, he writes most of this with Brian. Uh, John Bon Jovi chips in on a song called Summer's Gone. What's weird here, is talking about the Mike and Brian connection, is that when I first heard this album, I didn't look to see who wrote the songs. And That's Why God Made the Radio was a single, and I like that song. And then I discovered uh, Beaches in Mind was another song I liked on this. And the song I'm going to play you is In a Time. Turns out those are the three songs that Mike chipped in on. How about that? So I do believe my my thesis has some merit. So we're going to play Isn't It Time. My daughter bought me a lovely version of this uh, on a 10-inch record. It skips, so I need to figure out how to get it to stop skipping so I can digitize it, but it's a different mix than that appears on the album here. But this is a nice little tune. And uh, the whole, again, whole album is pretty even. It's not outstanding, but when you consider that, you know, it's the 50th anniversary of the band, they all got back together for it, I think it kind of gives it that little push over the cliff uh, past MIU and the Light album, you know, which aren't, you know, which are probably, I think, in the same vein artistically and quality wise but here you go here's isn't it time from the album that's why god made the radio Isn't it time? That's why God made the radio. 
may be the last album by the Beach Boys, but we're keeping our fingers crossed. There are also rumblings not only of a new album coming out, but also a, a, I guess, a 60th anniversary tour. Again, the two sides have to figure out how they're going to, you know, put things together. Uh, You know, Melinda, Brian's wife, runs that operation. Uh, Mike and Scott Totten run the uh, Beach Boys uh, operation with with Bruce Johnston along, and hopefully they can, you know, put things together. It was a, a... Read Mike's book, uh, My Life as a Beach Boy, and he explains what a, you know, a huge undertaking it was putting the two bands. By the way, the two backing bands are fantastic. They should just put them all together <laughs> and then just all tour together as the Beach Boys, even though it would be a massive band. Uh, they could be worth. I'd pay a lot of money to see that anyway because it's a bunch of talented folks helping them out. That leads us finally to album 19 where we're going to leave off for this episode. It's Summer Days and Summer Nights, uh, and I think I brought up the wrong album here to discuss, but... Uh, let me see. Summer Days and Summer Nights comes out in 19. Here, let me click over here. Here's Summer Days and Summer Nights. I, was, I oscillated between Summer Days and Summer Nights and Beach Boys today. And I'm going to put Summer Days and Summer Nights at this slot because for the time, it's not as good as some of the other albums around it. I think Brian's gearing up to do some really massive things. You get the single version of Help Me Rhonda, which actually was released... I looked up, it's weird. It's it's on Beach Boys Today, which is before this album, but the single version was different than the album version, and you finally get the single version on this album. Uh, there's another nice song called Salt Lake City. It's okay. It's more like a advertising jingle for Salt Lake City. The Girl from New York City is the power cut. Uh, it's fine. Amusement Park USA, fine. Uh, the, and California Girls, of course, is the uh, the the peak of the album, if you will. It's got a you know lead vocal by uh, Mike and Brian, and of course it features Bruce Johnson, who we'll discuss later in later episodes. And I think I've already mentioned this before. Uh, not a great lead singer when he's had the lead vocal. It doesn't have a, a powerful voice as lead singer, but boy, as a backing singer, he's fantastic. He knows exactly where to complement the uh, the mix. It's uh, it's uncanny. If you listen to the acapella version of California Girls, you can really hear him back, especially toward the end. You can hear where his voice is really chipping in. But I'm going to play uh, Then I Kissed Her. It's a cover of, uh, let me see, who the Ronettes, I believe this was. Al always, you know, uh, really won for doing the, the Motown covers. And this, no exception, of course, they still play this in concert live. I think both bands do. This is uh, with lead vocal by Al Jardine. This is Then I Kissed Her. Well, I walked up to her. Then I kissed her from Summer Days and Summer Nights, and that's where we're going to wrap up our retrospective of the Beach Boys albums, uh, 1 through 27, with an asterisk. Uh, We're going to go through the middle of the pack next week. We're up to our song of the week from Mimi Webb, and weirdly, this is the song of the week on Scott Mills' show on Radio 1, my favorite radio show. She is from somewhere in Britain. I don't remember. She's from the Midlands, I think, somewhere. Uh, Brighton? Brixton? No, Brixton's near London. Anyway, uh, she has actually a lot of stuff out, I didn't realize. And, uh, but this song is called 24-5, standard variety girl pop tune. Uh, it kind of 
sounds more like uh, early 2000s pop than it does uh, 2020s pop, but here it is. It's our song of the week on PF Tape Recorder, Mimi Webb. So long and thanks for listening. Halfway to the bottom, you and me and our problems. Stone cold when we let it slip away. Is it home for it to miss you? Is it home kind to hate you? To feel some kind of pleasure in the pain. Wish I could skip ahead to somewhere near the end.